Greetings, everyone. This is Eric Stewart from Fishing Fanatics, and I got an awesome guest today. He is Harvey Horn. He's a former Bass Master Elite Series angler, and in 2018, he won the Bass Pro Shop Central Open at the Arkansas River. How you doing? Pretty good, man. I enjoy being here tonight. Yeah, Harvey, it's great, man. It was a quick response. I'm glad we could shoot this real quick. And one of the questions that I've been asking a lot of Bass Pro guys, um, really, how did they get up through the ranks and really where they start their career? Because I've heard a couple things about college fishing, maybe some high school fishing, kind of, and we're just people jumping around to different tournaments locally and they get found and they kind of pursue it. What's, what's your kind of story of how you got into the professional fishing game? So for me personally, I started out in, in a small Bass Nation club. It's one of the oldest clubs that we have in the country, uh, Northwest Arkansas Bass Masters. Uh, I joined that club back in like uh, 2007 and, you know, worked my way up through the club, fished our state tournament quite a few times, qualified for uh, like four, four, maybe five regionals now. I can't, I can't even keep up with how many times I've been to the regionals. But uh, that was that was my introduction to uh, tournament fishing, so to speak, you know, on a on a bigger level. And you know, I grew up fishing the small jackpots, the fruit jars, whatever you want to call them. Well, once we made the move to Arkansas in late 2006, I made the decision to find a club to join that that I could afford to fish in, so to speak. And for me, that was that was the Bass Nation Club. And from there, you know, I, I waited until I felt like I was ready to, to go compete on a stage that was bigger. Um, I fished, uh, I think I ended up fishing four Bassmaster Opens as a co-angler uh, back in like, oh gosh, 2010, 11 so, or so. And, and it, the back of the boat just wasn't for me. Uh, it, it was fairly obvious pretty quickly that it wasn't somewhere I was comfortable with. And we, we made our minds up, me and my wife, you know, we, we talk about everything. We discuss everything. We try to have a plan, so to speak. And she was like, well, if you don't feel like that's where you need to be, then you need to be in the front of the boat fishing open. So we waited, you know, stayed on the club level. Um, and when, 2016 came along. Good friend of mine, Jim, called me and was like, "Hey, dude, have you seen the schedule?" I'm like, "What schedule?" Well, the opens, the central opens next year. I said, "No, I hadn't looked at them yet. You might want to look at them." So we were set up for Table Rock, the Sabine River, and Grand Lake. Uh, Table Rock is 50 minutes from my house. Grand is about 55. The Sabine River, I was really excited about that tournament because it was tidal water in, you know, the Louisiana-Texas border, an area that I was familiar with, even though I'd never fished there. And when we got there to the first open, I finished 16th at Table Rock. Uh, I think it was 48th at the Sabine River. And then we went into Grand in October, and I finished 8th. So in 2017, I qualified for the Elite Series through... Everything that happened, uh, our family decided that it wasn't right. And to be totally honest, we just didn't have the money. We didn't have the financial backing from partnerships to to get us where we needed to be to be comfortable with me fishing the Elite Series. Mm -hmm. 
So that and, big turning point was when, sorry to cut you off there, but that big turning point was where the tournaments kind of, you saw a couple of tournaments that were lined up or a couple of spots that were local to you. You felt comfortable kind of hitting those spots and you kind of knew where to fish and what the weather was like, right? Yeah. With, gotcha. with everything, you know, just falling into place in 2017, that, uh, that finish at Grand Lake put me in second place in points. And I qualified for the Elite Series. And as I said, we, we just did not, we weren't in a financial position to where we could afford the, opens, or the, the Elite Series entry fees. So, you know, we, we literally sat down, talked about it numerous times, went through everything financially, and just decided that wasn't the right decision for me at that time. Um, just made the decision, we'll go back and fish the Opens again next year and see how everything plays out. Uh, the first open in 2018 with Ross Barnett. I don't remember where I finished there, but I'm pretty sure it was pretty bad. And from there, we went to the Arkansas River for the second event. And of course, I won that tournament. And that, that was the catalyst to give me enough financial support on my own without having, without having to use any of our family money you know, our bill money, our house note money, truck vehicles. I didn't have to use any of that money to pay entry fees for the Elite Series if I requalify. And of course, fast forward to later that year, the, the split happens. And after the Opens Championship that year, I get the phone call, hey, you know, we want you to come fish the Elite Series in 2019. Uh, so sit down again, have the conversation. My wife's like, listen, we've got the money in the bank to cover entry fees. All you need to do is make enough money to pay for your travel. And that was, that was our decision to go in 2019. And uh, crazy enough here, we did, a, did well enough that we broke even. And that in itself as a rookie is basically unheard of. Uh, you know, and that's, that's not my words. That's coming from guys that have been around and seen, you know, rookies come and go for years and years. Mark Menendez, uh, Clark Winlet, you know, I talked to a lot of those guys, became friends with them. And, you know, they all, to a man, told me, you know, usually your first two or three years fishing at that level, you're going to go broke. So for us it was a, it was a big deal just to make enough money that we broke even and was able to do that for 3 years uh and you know they made a, they made a cut we didn't make it but man it was a, it was a great ride while it lasted i made some amazing friends and went and fished some amazing places um and i you know given the right circumstances i might go back but now i'm just trying to win a tournament and go fish bassmasters classic that's that's my goal in, in is to get to the classic and try to win. I like it. That's a really goal, good goal I have. And I think a lot of other fishermen out there have that same goal for sure. The, um, it's interesting when you explain that entire story, because everyone looks at like professional bass fishermen. It's like this glamorous kind of lifestyle where you're going around and you're doing the thing you love every day. But yeah. as you just laid it out, it's a grind. Yeah, it very much is. Um, to, to you know, to 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 paraphrase something that that me and Gerald Swindle talked about, you know, you have to be in a mind space where you go out and you work your tail off 
just to be mediocre. You have to be okay with that. Uh, you know, and that's coming from a former angler of the year, a guy that I hold in, in very high regard. I have a lot of respect for Gerald because I know, I know things that Gerald's been through that other folks really don't. Uh, and, you know, it's all the surgeries and, and the just tough spots. You know, we, we all see that and go through that as, as professional anglers, whether it be on the Bass Pro Tour, the Elite Series, uh, the Toyotas, the Opens. We've all been through a lot of stuff that we, we don't talk about so much. And, you know, being one of those guys that works your butt off to be just okay, you, you have to be okay with that. You know, you know not everybody's going to be a Patrick Walters. Not everybody's going to be a Brandon Polinick. Uh, there's a whole lot more Tyler Rivets out there in the world than there is Patrick Walters. And, and Tyler just won the tournament on Okeechobee. And that's just, just goes to show, you know, he's one of those grinders that, that he's going to go out and do his thing and, and make the best of what he's got. And I'm glad it worked out for him. I'm really proud of the guy for winning down there, doing something different. I called it on Wednesday that uh, I felt like it was, it was his time and, I had an idea of what he was doing. Luckily, it worked out for him. I love it. Um, I've heard a couple of people say, like, you know, when they win a big tournament, it was just like, oh, I was just, it was just my time. It was my time to win. So let's, let's take a blast in the past, 2018, when you were on the Arkansas River, you ended up winning that open. Um, tell me what was going through your mind from day one to the following days of kind of what prepared you to actually come home with a win in that tournament. Well, you know, I, I talked to a good friend of mine, Dustin McClellan, who had fished there before. Uh, and, you know, we, we talked about multiple different areas on, on that body of water, that river system. And, you know, he was like, hey, this place, the, this little area holds really good fish. And, you know, I'm okay, well, what time of year did you fish that area? Well, we were there in September. And looking at it from, okay, those fish are here in September. Where will they go in uh, mid-April to go spawn? So I took what information that I gained from him, looked at a map. Okay, well, this area is protected from current. This area is protected from current. This other area is protected from current. Let me, let me go there, save that for the last day of practice. And I went in there the last day of practice, and I got five bites. Uh, the most I'd ever gotten in any day before that was three. They were all quality. Everything that I was getting bites anywhere on the, that river system was high quality, but I couldn't get enough of them. And I felt like I needed an area that I could go catch five fish just to be okay. I didn't at that time have any idea that there was a possibility of me winning. Just I felt like I could go catch five in that area. And lo and behold, I go there day one. Um, my first keeper was probably a three and a half pound fish. Uh, pulled up into a little spot, four consecutive casts, four consecutive keepers, you know, all in the two and three quarter to three pound range. And I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is a good sack of fish. I got 12, 12 and a half pounds. If I can call two, maybe three of those fish to get me around 16 or 17. I'll feel comfortable with what I've got. You know, it wouldn't be, I didn't in any, any, any idea have an idea I'd be leading, 
but I felt like I would be top 15 or so. Because it's, you know, at that time, certain places on that body of water, you could go catch 20 pounds. You know, 19, 20 was, was pretty common. So I felt like the guys that were locals that had more knowledge on the body of water, Dale Hightower, a good friend of mine, I felt like Dale, some of the other guys would be in that 19 to 21 pound range. Come in on the first day, put my fish in the, in the, in the tank to be measured. The guy that measures the fish looks at me and he looks at those fish and he's like, you're going to be leading. Now, bro, I'm, you know, mid second flight. You know, there's still too many people to come in. Now, lo and behold, dropped my fish on the scales. I think I had 16, 16, 7, 16, 8. Uh, I, I look out and I see Dale in the crowd. He's like, good job. You're, you're leading. Okay. But I still felt like somebody was going to come behind me and, and knock me down. I figured top five, top ten at best. <laughs> but after all the, everybody weighed in, I was still leading. Uh, come to find out that a lot of the anglers got locked out. They couldn't go down to Kerr Reservoir, where the better sacks of fish usually come from. Um, so here I am thinking, okay, well, if I can just do that again tomorrow, I'll have a pretty good opportunity to maintain that top 10, maybe not be leading, but just, just to maintain. I draw out on day two with a good friend of mine that I've known since the first grade. And I had a decision to make. The area that I was primarily going to spend most of my time on day two, I knew I could block him out and not let him catch any fish if I did it correctly. And in my mind, the whole night, I'm thinking, you know, what, what, what should I do here? Should I just leave him out in the cold or should I pull into the area? turn the boat and just open it up for both of us. Uh, so I made a decision. I'm like, you know, what would Jeff do if he were in my shoes? And I, and I, I really thought about it hard. And I'm like, I believe that he would just turn me loose and let me fish. So that's, that's what I did. And he caught three fish that weighed about nine pounds before I ever put one in the box. So I was kind of concerned a little <laughs> bit. Uh, the first fish I did hook was like five and a half pounds. Uh, that's the, the one fish that they had me cradling and putting in the boat on Bassmaster is five and a half pounder. Put it in the live well, then I catch another one that's about three. I'm like, okay, I'm getting to where I need to be. I left there, went to my secondary spot. Uh, Jeff calls two of his fish in that area with four pounders. So he's at you know, 13, 12, and 12, 90, 12, 14, 12, 15, you know, pushing 13 pounds with three fish. And, and I didn't, didn't say anything. I catch two four pounders out of the secondary spot. I'm like, okay, I'm right about 15, 15 and a half pounds with four. I'm going to leave here, go fish something I haven't touched all week just to see if I can catch one more three, three and a half pound fish. Uh, we leave my secondary area, go to another little section, and I catch a three-and-a-half pounder. It puts me at 17-and-a-half pounds. Okay, I'm comfortable. I'm not going you know, to beat up on my fish anymore. We're going to stay in this area and just watch and see, see what happens, see if there's anybody else that comes up here 
because I, I got a good feeling that I'm going to make day three. And lo and behold, there's only one other boat shows up. That's Teb Jones. And literally pull up beside Teb. He's fishing. I'm fishing. Teb turns around, looks at me and says, Harvey, you catching them in here? And I said, yes, sir. All right. Well, I'm going to get out of here. And I, I appreciate that. That's, that's pretty awesome. But me and Teb have that relationship where he knows if I'm in a, in an area that he needs, I'm going to give it up to him. You know, if he's in a, in a, you know, top 10 and he needs to come into an area and fish, I'm going to leave and let him have it because he's done the same for me. Um, then lo and behold, day three, uh, you know, way in day two, still leading. It's a slim lead. I think I was a pound and a half, maybe two pounds into the lead. Uh, I knew somebody was going to have to catch them really well to catch up to me, but it's, you know, it's, that's possible there. Uh, Derek Hudnall that I became friends with, he was right behind me a couple of spots, maybe two, three, two and a half pounds back. Um, I'll go up to my primary spot on day one uh, that I fished every day that I started. I literally have not seen a fish on a bed all week. And I go into the little spot and they're lined up, just sitting there. There's five of them locked on beds. They're not big, but they're big enough. Well, one of them's like a one and a half, maybe five. The rest of them are just keepers. I literally almost call my shots and pick all five of those fish off. Put them in the live well, leave and go to my secondary area and call. I think I ended up calling three of the fish that I caught in the primary area with, you know, four pound class fish. And it set me up at 18 pounds. I knew I was close. I didn't know if I was going to have enough, but I knew I was close. Doing the math, I knew that the guys behind me were going to have to catch, you know, 22 or better to, to catch up to me. And I didn't think that was possible just because of the weather conditions that day. Uh, luckily, Derek Hutton all lost a like six pounder that would have put us almost, you know, identically tied. But uh, that was it. You know, I came to the weigh-in at like 11 o'clock in the morning and knew what I had and I knew kind of what the other guys were going to have to catch. I uh, talked to a couple of the guys that were lower down in the top 10 and you know, they really hadn't caught anything, so I liked my chances and, you know, thought I made a pretty good decision by coming back when I did. Loaded the boats up, went to Bass Pro in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Everybody weighed in, and I was, you know, right there where I felt like, you know, if I've got another 17-pound-plus day, then I'm probably going to win. And I think I dropped 18-8 on the scales the last day and, you know, won by – I think two pounds, but that was, you know, that was probably one of those moments that I'll never forget. I mean, it's, it's awesome to hear the respect in fishing, especially when you're competitive fishing, everyone's out there trying to make money, right? You're trying to feed your family at the end of the day and to go out there and a guy knows that you're in the lead or you have a chance to actually take this thing home and goes, you know what? You got it. You got the spot. You got the fish right now. Go get them. It's pretty cool yeah. to hear. Yeah. And we, we don't say, well, Patrick Walters. Patrick came in to my secondary area on day one. Fished literally the, the area that I caught my fish from. Uh, he was fishing really fast. I'm fishing really slow. 
And we, we met up in the middle of this little, little pocket area. Hey man, you got them. Uh, dude, I got like 14 pounds right now. All right, I'm going to get out of here and I'm not coming back. Okay, thanks. And this was when, you know, Patrick was still, still a college angler or maybe his first year out of college. Uh, but that, that in itself gained me, you know, made me respect Patrick you know, immensely. And I've literally called Patrick a couple of times, you know, through the years and said, hey, dude, what, what do you think about this body of water that I'm fixing to go to? What are your suggestions? Uh, and, you know, he's just one of those great guys that I know that I can count on to give me good information. And I'm, and I'm not asking for waypoints. You know, that's not going to help me by him giving me waypoints to go fish because I'm not going to be able to do what he does. But just, you know, general out, generalities, you know, hey, do I need to throw an underspin or do I need to throw a swim bait? Uh, or do I put a fluke on my underspin instead of a swim bait? You know, things like that really, really help us out more than anybody could ever imagine. Definitely. Just little tidbits. You don't need to know exactly where the fish are, but you got to know what they're looking for, what they're biting for sure. And um, that kind of brings me to my next point here, um, how different river fishing is than lake fishing. I do a lot of lake fishing um, up by me in PA and the river is something that I've been dabbling in a little bit. Just generic tips for anyone going out in a river, trying to locate the small mouth or the large mouth. What what are your kind of guidelines there at a new river system? What would you, what would you be looking for? Um, are there any like key baits that you would definitely be throwing or anything like that? Yeah, there's, there's quite a few things. Um, I, I grew up doing a little bit of river fishing on the Washtenaw River back in Louisiana. Uh, for me, I like to look for anything that's going to break current, um, whether it be a laydown tree, boulders in some areas of the country, uh, little, you know, little indentations in the bank where there's a washout spot, uh, anywhere there's been water running into the river that's not necessarily part of the original flow. Those little places are going to hold a lot of bass. And a lot of people, you know, think of big. Well, I've got to see a big tree. I've got to see, you know, this big pocket. And I've found through the years that the little subtle stuff will hold maybe not numerous fish, but it'll hold better quality. And if you will concentrate more on putting your lure in front of that place where there's going to be a current break and working it naturally with the current, you're going to catch more fish and you're going to get more bites. And that, that equates to all streams and rivers. You know, it may be a, just a little smallmouth creek that's only, only got maybe four or five feet deep hole. Uh, look for those little current breaks. It may be a single boulder that's out in the middle of the river. It could be a laid down tree that's been there for years. Just look for those things. Concentrate on baits that look a little bit more natural, your natural crawdad looking baits. My personal favorite is big bite fighting frog. Pretty much everybody that knows me knows that. And, and utilize what, you know, what's there in the water. By doing that, you're going to put yourself in position to get those bites from fish that a lot of people will never even fish for. Uh, my my personal favorite when I go creek fishing is the three-inch fighting frog. I'm going to put it on just a little open jig head, just like you would fish a Ned Rig, a uh, six-pound sunline, and just, you know, literally cast it out on a spinning rod, you know, eighth or six, the 16th or an eighth-ounce jig head, cast it out on a spinning rod, and just let it work naturally with the current, and you can catch a lot of fish that way. I like it. Great tip there, to, man. When I go to the bigger river systems, I will upgrade, go to you know, heavier line, uh, you know, say 18 or 20 pound sunline sniper, 
uh, flipping stick, a quarter ounce or a three quarter ounce, maybe even a one ounce jig if the current's really strong. Most of the time, I'm just going to use a half ounce or a three eighths. And that's just going to let that jig flutter down. I'm using uh, usually a big bite fighting frog as a trader on my jig. And it's got a real natural look to it. It's going to glide a little bit more because of the way that bait is shaped. And once you glide that jig in around those trees and lay downs, little cuts in the bank, that's going to pick you up quite a few more bites as well. I like it. Cool. Appreciate all the tips, dude. That was awesome. No so problem. coming up soon, right? You got the uh, the first open coming up. Where's that at? And then um, what are you looking for, like that specific body of water? Well, we, you know, I literally have a friend that lives up there, contacted him today, and the water temperature is 62. So we're coming up on a, on a new moon right now. By the time the tournament gets here, we'll be working into a full moon. So I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of fish head towards the bank. We're going to be fishing shallow, you know, big lizards. Uh, big Bite makes a, makes a really good lizard. One of my favorites is the confusion color. It's green pumpkin back with kind of a purplish belly, something those fish can really see in dirty water, eight inches long. Going to pair that up with some really big line and just go swing for the fences. I'm fishing, uh, you know, anywhere that I'm going to feel like those fish are moved up to the bank and spawning, uh, you know, three foot to, to literally two to two to three feet all the way up to six or eight inches. And I'm not necessarily going to go look for clearer water that I can see those fish because that's what the other guys are going to go do more than likely. I'm going to go look for water that's a little bit more stained where I can't see them. And I'm going to target those places that I feel like there's going to be beds. I'm going to fish extremely slow and try that in practice the first couple of days, see how that works. If it does, it's going to be great. If not, I'll pick up a chatterbait and swim jig and go beat the bank like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Man with a plan, man. And um, as I was doing some research on you, I was checking out your page and I saw you guys got the uh, the Bass Hub podcast. Why don't you share the listeners a little bit of what you guys talk about on there in that podcast? You know, we're, we talk about a little bit of everything, um, anywhere from how to how to mentally prepare yourself for tournaments to, you know, what 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 happened at the last tournament. Um, you know, whether it's myself or Stephanie fishing or whether we're going to be covering what just went down at the Bassmaster Elite Series or the, you know, the last Toyota Series event. Um, we, we just try to be, be ourselves and be natural and talk about things that we like to talk about, which is mostly fishing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. And that's all a live podcast, right? Yep. It's 100% live. So there's no telling what you're going to hear. <laughs> uh, we try to keep it, you know, around that. PG, maybe PG-13, uh, but it's it's all in fun. Mm-hmm. We have a great time doing it, and we're, we've had some great guests on there. Uh, we actually got our podcast going to go off tomorrow night at 6 o'clock Central Time. I'll be here still getting everything, the boat wrapped, and getting ready to leave out for a new follow later this week. Uh, but if, you know, if you're available to get on the podcast, I'd appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, that was something that uh, we we hinted on a little bit before we started hit recording. You actually wrap your own boat, um, which it's, I thought was pretty cool. Um, we'll be wrapping sure. my boats. Um, I've had it wrapped by other people before. This will be the first year that I've had my hands on it actually helping. Uh, Chris Kingry that owns 44 Tackle, we're, we're literally in his garage right now and getting ready to work some more on the boat. Uh, one of the other competitors that's going to be fishing against us, he's here as well. 
We've got his boat, primary colors done on it. We're fixing to start working on this truck here in just a few minutes as soon as I get done on this podcast. I need a hamburger. I like it, man. I like it. Awesome. Well, let's wrap it up then. Um, let the listeners know where they can check out your podcast, where they can keep in contact with you on social media and all that good stuff. Yep. The Harvey Horn Fishing, Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, and I don't know what else my wife has got me put on. Uh, the Bass Hub podcast, you can listen to it or watch live on pretty much any platform out there. Um, just, we appreciate everybody watching and listening in. And thank you for having us on tonight. Absolutely, Harvey. I really appreciate it, man. And, um, you know, down the road, if there's any another season you guys want to do another episode, be happy to have you back on. You too, man. We're looking forward to getting you on it sometime as well. So just because you had me on, we're going to get you on ours as well. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks. You just listened to the Fishing Fanatics podcast with your host, Eric Stewart. Feel free to check out our other podcasts and our other interviews on our channel, on Spotify, YouTube, and much more. Check out our Instagram page, TikTok, and Facebook as well. 